What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Grit Fitness and Performance Podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Chris Sanchez, and today we have O'Shane with us, and we're going to discuss part two of uh, this continuation of the last episode where we talked about your basically metabolism and how it relates to weight management, weight loss, um, typically all the things people are looking for when they come here as clients. So um, as always, if you guys enjoy the podcast, share it with all your friends and family, go give us a rating um, if the platform that you listen to uh, allows. And then of course, give us a follow on all social media, whether it's um, Instagram at Grit Fitness and Performance or TikTok at Grit Fit Perform or Facebook or all the above would probably be even better. Um, so Shane, how's life been treating you? Uh, can't really complain. It's always good. Always good. All right. So if you guys did not listen to episode one, I would probably strongly encourage you to do so uh, before listening to this episode. Um, not that it would probably matter in the long run, but just so you have a, a more solid foundation of kind of and an understanding of what we're talking about today. Uh, so we'll do a real brief recap of the first episode where we talked about your total daily energy expenditure. So basically how many calories you burn in a given day, but what are the factors that influence it? And basically how is that total daily calorie burn broken up? So you have your non-resting energy expenditure and then your resting energy expenditure. Um, so basically you have your basal metabolic rate, which is the calories that you burn just by simply existing. And uh, this accounts for uh, a large portion of your calorie burn within a given day. And the factors that affect your basal metabo metabolic rate, things like how much muscle mass you carry on your body, your age, um, your gender, how many calories you're consuming on any given day, um, your state of mind, your stress levels, genetics, uh, body composition, and of course, activity level. So for a deeper dive onto those things, um, go back and listen to episode one. And then of course, you have your non-resting energy expenditure, um, and that's exactly what it sounds like. So the basically the activity that you're doing throughout the day, um, whether that's non-exercise activity like walking, gardening, um, standing up, pacing, like, you know, grocery shopping, those types of things. And then of course you have your planned exercise and then the thermic effect of food. So the different foods that you're eating, basically how your body is breaking down, processing and absorbing all those foods. And depending on what you're eating, you're basically going to burn more calories depending on the foods that you're eating. So we're going to kind of dive into these factors um, in a more applicable fashion now. So how can you basically influence and modify these factors that are going to affect your metabolism and how can we basically apply them in a day-to-day, -day, you know, actual real-life situation? So we've got about half hour, so we'll try to dive through all of these in a quick, concise, and understandable fashion. So, um, O'Shane, I will basically, I'll, I'll set you up with the question. I'll kind of let you dive and, and kind of explain and talk about these things. So when it comes to your basal metabolic rate, um, how many calories you burn by simply just kind of living. So there are certain factors that you cannot change no matter how hard you try. So you can't change your age. You can't change your parents, your genetics, 
Um, and I'm going to throw gender in there, even though I'm sure there's someone out there who probably says you absolutely can change your gender. But that's we're, we're just going to assume male, female for today. You can't change that. Uh, so don't send me hate mail if you're one of those people. OK, so age, gender, genetics can't change those things. But in terms of the other factors, um, so if a client comes to you. And they say, oh, Shane, I want to basically increase how many calories I burn at rest. Um, let's start with muscle mass. What, what are some of the recommendations that you are going to tell that client? What are some of the things, the actionable steps that they need to start implementing into their daily routine in order to increase their lean muscle mass? Well, uh, to start off, I would look at it like, you know, like, like, for instance, like if I had plates of food, I'd be like, all right, number one, plate one. Am I getting enough sleep? Because I think like sleep is something we might overlook, but it's probably like one of the most essential things. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd also look at like what are we actually eating and how much calories are we actually eating? Because you look at like from just my experience of like working with clients, like I know there's a lot of clients don't overeat, they undereat, and that's a big issue in terms of like be able to burn more calories throughout a day. Right. So those are two things I would look at, but also look at like they work out and how they're actually working out because a lot of times you can say oh we're working out but it's like are you lifting the appropriate amount of weight are you sometimes over training are you like sometimes lifting more than you should be because it's like kind of finding the right volume and dosage of like am i doing all these things in the right rhythm to actually like, get that outcome that i'm looking for right so let's go back to calories so now when it comes to muscle gain is there a recommendation of how many calories you're telling clients to eat in a given day to basically reach this goal so for example like i usually tell people if they're looking to lose weight and maintain their muscle mass they need to eat basically like 10 to 12 calories per pound of their ideal goal weight is there what's what's your approach in telling clients like how many calories to eat no, I think that approach is uh, spot on. I think if you're eating anywhere between 10 to 12 calories per pound, um, I think you will notice like more likely you're eating your your goal. From what I've seen, most people are probably eating four to mm -hmm. six, which is like not ideal. But also, if you look at it like in that four to six, they're not eating appropriate amount of protein. Right. Uh, which is something that, you know, you actually do want to do. Uh Another thing is you look at like portion size. It's protein is probably the smallest thing on their plate, mm -hmm. which is if you're trying to lose weight or put on more muscle, that should be one of the higher end on your plate. Right. Yeah. So one of the things I usually tell people when it comes to like portion sizes, um, I don't like to use like ounces because I feel a lot of people have no idea what four ounces of like food actually looks like. So like I, I don't know if you've used this trick before, but I'll tell people to look at their hand and I'll say like usually the size of your palm should be about one serving size of protein. And for guys, when they sit down to a meal, they need two palms. And then ladies, they usually need like a palm, maybe a palm and a half if they're a little bit more active. Have you ever used that approach or you do something similar? Uh, I have, but also I would say, like for me, I just break it up into, if you're thinking about like, I don't think, carbs or fat any of that stuff is bad like mm -hmm. you know i told them like hey all that stuff is essential in terms of your body needs that stuff but it's like think about it this way like all right 
if I am eating a full plate of meal, if I make the first thing I want to put on my meal always is put the protein on the meal. Mm. I think if you put the protein and then you're putting the veggie, more likely your starch won't have enough room. So you're still going to put it on there, but you're probably not going to have enough room to put that on there. Now, in terms of strictly gaining muscle mass, so let's say someone comes in here um, with uh, client A comes in with a weight loss goal, client B comes in with a muscle gain goal. Are you telling them different things in terms of the proportions or, or I guess like the ratios of protein to carbs or is it pretty much the same? Like how do those how do those differ? I mean, it does differ in a way because if you're a client who's trying to lose weight, uh, the biggest thing I would say is in terms of weight loss is one calorie um, has like for someone who's trying to lose weight, I'd be like, all right, the best way to start out is understanding how much calories am I burning per day? Now, if I'm burning, say, a 1,000 calories a day, then I'd be like, all right, maybe that's a good start to understand if I'm eating a 1,000 calories a day for weight loss. Because if I'm burning a 1,000 and I'm eating a 1,000, everything else I do, if I move, I work out, I go to work, anything else I do is just extra calories burning. We know we need 3,500 calories to lose a pound. Mm -hmm. So that's all going to add up by the end of the week, which is not like a one-day thing. It's more of a week, a month thing you should be looking at. So that's how I would. That's the approach I always go off with, like clients who are trying to lose weight. To understand, for someone who's just here to put on more muscle, I'd be like, all right, calories is even though calories does play a part, uh, it's not the biggest thing you should be looking at in the front end. Like you want to hit, like say, if I know I'm burning say a thousand calories again. I could probably go over eating a thousand calories, but I want to make sure that I'm getting enough protein and I'm getting adequate amount of rest. Because mm -hmm. I think like rest is probably the bigger factor in this in terms of all right what i'm doing today and how much how long i actually like give the muscles time to recover before i actually like try to traumatize it again for more growth right so uh, i i agree uh, i've told clients many times before that like you know when it comes to gaining muscle gaining strength you're not doing that. That's not a result of the strength training. It's a result of you recovering from the strength training. So just in terms of like very basic recovery guidelines, what is, what are the main things that people should be focusing on if they want to ensure proper recovery from, let's just say three times a week strength training? Like three times a week. Uh, I mean, that's perfect in terms of strength training. Mm -hmm. Three to four times a week is perfect. Uh, I would say, you know, if say, let's give an example. Like say you're like, all right, I did my legs Monday. I probably wouldn't hit legs again till Thursday, Friday. But at the same time, you could be doing some cardio, uh, probably stretching, mobility work in between. But I probably wouldn't go heavy strength training again for at least three to four days. A lot of body to recover. There are people probably who may need a week before mm -hmm. they hit that leg again. And that's completely fine. I think it's just like understanding everyone is a little bit different. Right. And how much recovery time someone needs. Yeah. One of the things I like to tell my clients is they have to basically learn how to undulate or basically go between these highs and lows when it comes to intensity with their training. So if they do a really high intensity workout on Monday, regardless of what it is, upper body, lower body, full body, doesn't even matter. Tuesday, when that comes around, if they do high intensity again, they're basically just going to stress their already stressed out body. And by the time Wednesday rolls around and they try to do it again, 
now you just put yourself in a big hole. So like I try to tell people, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with working out hard as long as you are basically flowing and kind of like alternating between these high intensity workouts and then something a little more low intensity because you want to recover from that high intensity and then kind of get back to the baseline, if not, you know, higher than your baseline fitness so you can go hard again come Wednesday. And I think that's it could be one of like the, I guess, more common mistakes these I guess exercise rookies, I'll call them, make is they just want to go balls to the wall every single session when it's in reality, it's like you need to learn how to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Otherwise, you're going to run into all sorts of burnout issues, overuse injuries, and like all these things that you don't want to run into. Um, now, in terms of designing an exercise program for basically maintaining muscle mass or increasing muscle mass what are your guidelines that you're telling clients so it's this is actually uh something that i've realized especially like the past year two years is percentage so like for for instance say like you know we go through get a new client first few months it's not really like we're trying to lift as heavy as possible it's more like we're just trying to get that client to understand how to move better Mm -hmm. But now, say, you know, that client understands how to move better, understands the movements, all this stuff. For me, it's all about percentage. So I'd, so if I understand, like, all right, this is what this client max percentage is on these movements. Like, majority of the time we're training, we're probably working anywhere between 60 to 80% of that maximum. Because for me, it's not about how much weight we're always lifting and maxing out. It's about, all right, how can I get this quality of movement better? So they can become a master at this movement. I think the more a client becomes a master at the movement, over time they'll notice, one, their strength will get better. We'll mm-hmm. get, we'll increase anyway. Number two, they'll stay a lot safer. And number three, at when they go, say, three, five years, they can be like, wow, I'm actually a master at this movement. Yeah. When I they actually go back to, you know, trying to, to max, to do their max, the max will become a lot easier too. Right, definitely. And I think for a lot of people, you know, especially if they're trying to master a movement, you know, if you're working at these really high percentages, 90%, 95%, that's only going to be allowing you to do, what, maybe five reps max. And it's hard to practice and get repetition under your belt if all you're doing is three, four, five reps at a time. So when you lower that percentage in terms of intensity and you do a little bit more reps, then you you know, allow yourself the opportunity to practice. And like you said, become a master of that movement. So when you go to actually push it later on down the road, now you've got a little more lean muscle mass because you've spent more time with time under tension. Um, You've got more mastery of the movement. So your technique is down and you've got more strength. So now you can actually go and move some big boy weight for the most part. All right. So Moving on, um, just because we've got a few more things to cover and only about 20 more minutes. Um, Let's see. So, all right, uh, basic activity level. I think this might be a a simple and quick point, but who knows? We'll we'll see. Um, What are you telling clients? um, You know, what are the guidelines that you're recommending to clients when they're not with you and you can't basically hold their hand for the hour that they're in the same facility? as you how how are you encouraging them or encouraging them to include more activity throughout the day um well it could be you know going for a walk you could be um, making sure to 
you know, if you have access to a stairs, maybe use stairs more than elevator. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's like, hey, I can take an extra 10 steps to do something, take it. Like little stuff like that makes a difference. If, say, if it's more someone who's more along a performance line, then it's like, all right, we're actually going to need to do some performance work outside of what it's like. I'm going to do some tempo runs or stuff like that. Right. But I think it's just kind of measuring to like, all right, what is this client goal and what are the current capacity of like what they can do? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Like, like I'll give you another example. Like I have a client on vacation. She doesn't really have a lot of equipment. So based off her, we came up with some design of like tempo runs, walk, like walks, just like stuff like that, just to keep her busy throughout the day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, now, in terms of the other factors that are going to affect basically your, your basal metabolic rate, um, there's body composition. But, I mean, we've done full episodes about body composition, how to improve that. So I don't think we really need to touch on that. But basically, the, the better your body composition, the more calories you're going to burn at rest. More muscle, less fat basically allows you to burn more calories by simply sitting and listening to this podcast or whatever you're doing. Um, Another one, and I think you touched on this already, but I just want to kind of run back just to kind of like hammer home the details Mm -hmm. and make sure people understand is how many calories you consume in a given day. So I think you, you already said a lot of people tend to under eat and basically what is that, what's that doing is it's not allowing them to burn more calories throughout a given day, but it sounds so counterintuitive, eat more and you're going to burn more. So how do you approach that conversation with clients when you're saying, listen, you need to bump up your calories because it's basically going to allow you to burn more fat in the long run? Uh, that is a very uh, complicated conversation a lot of times because especially like females, yeah. they have this idea like, all right, if I eat more, I'm going to gain weight. Mm-hmm. But you know, I always look look at the analogy of like, you know what, I think like, we have to approach fitness or like weight loss or like however you know whatever our goal is we have to approach it pretty much like how we would approach other things in life like say making money mm-hmm. like you don't make more money by not spending more money or like investing more money right I, I think it's like the same thing it's like all right understanding like all right what is my it's like a budget right mm-hmm. like you're trying to make money it's like what is my budget same thing calorie what is how much calories am i burning yeah so i kind of have an idea all right, if I'm eating this much calories, now I'm putting the work in. Like it's like understanding like the components of like, all right, what are the components to get me to get me there? Right. I understand these things, then it's like, all right, I can eat this amount of calories. I can do this. I can do this, and I know I'm gonna get the result. Yeah. And like the biggest thing I always explain to them is like, don't look at it as just all right, it's one day. Mm-hmm. Look at it as all right, at the end of the week. Because if, if, say, if, you know, like another example, say, you know, you burn, a th- if I'm burning a thousand calories, but, and I'm only, and I'm eating a thousand, but I'm doing all these other things, at the end of the week, if I'm adding up to an extra, to like being a deficiency by like three to four thousand calories, I know I'm actually doing some work. Right, right. So like, that's kind of the goal of like how I would approach it and like talk to clients, like don't look at it as one day, look at it as a week, a month, because it will add up by the end of the month. Yeah, and it's funny. I've never heard the the financial kind of comparison when having this conversation, but I love it because you're right. Like you do have to spend money to make money, and it's it, for the same thing. Calories, like you have to basically eat calories to burn calories. And the way I'll I'll explain it to clients is like, look, you know, if you need two thousand calories to maintain your current body weight, um, but you're performing workouts that require you to eat, you know, 
2,600 calories, like you can still eat a little bit more. There you go. And still be in a deficit. You know what I mean? That's so true. the added calories are basically just going to increase your performance so you feel better, so you perform better, but you still lose weight. Like you don't have to starve yourself in order to increase your or, or sorry, improve your your body composition. Um but other than that, so when it when it comes to basal metabolic rate, we already touched on muscle mass and how you can basically uh, optimize maintaining or gaining it. Um, you can't change your age, your genetics, anything like that. How many calories you consume, we just touched on that. Here's one. Um, stress and your state of mind. So uh, what's your approach when you're telling clients like how stress basically affects their weight loss goals or basically their their bmr their basic their basal uh, metabolic rate that is a that is the big one right there yeah for me uh like do not i don't think you should ever underestimate what stress actually does it's like how simple like you you don't realize it's like for instance like a lot of clients would be like oh i went out and i had you know they ate whatever they want to eat like a lot of times you don't realize like eating that might not affect you it's you actually stressing yourself a about that mm -hmm. that actually affects you like and having already the everyday stress of whether it's kids work all this stuff it's that's a lot of stress on the body yeah that's why like you have to understand like i tell clients like maybe you know when you get here for the hour a lot of times try to unplug i know it's like difficult but try your best to unplug yourself from the world right and just be like you know what i'm trying to de-stress the body in a way where I'm just present because I, I think like trying to be present like in terms of like things I do find that helps to like de-stress the body like say if I'm like all right I'm, I'm gonna go work out right now I might have a thousand problems going on but if I like you know what I put them to a side I'm like just gonna focus on working out doing the workout the best I can right I, more likely when I'm done working out like I'm probably gonna I'm more likely gonna feel better yeah absolutely and the same thing like I think a lot of times, be like, all right, I'm, you know, I want to lose weight, or I'm not losing weight, I'm not seeing the progress as fast as I can, as I want, or something like that. It could just come down to, you know what, um, I'm just going to just enjoy the process. I think enjoying the process is probably the biggest thing that will help you unstress your, yourself. I would agree. Um, and I think you kind of already said, like, a lot of people are totally unaware of how much stress actually affects things. And I, I mean, like basically what's happening when you're super stressed out is um, you're affecting all these hormones within your body, hormones that affect heart rate and your respiration rate, um, your digestion, uh, like all these things can kind of like your sleep, uh, which is huge for, you know, all the things that we just talked about. So if you're constantly stressed out and you're not addressing these things and you're not basically making management of stress a priority like all of these what I deem kind of under the radar factors are just totally wreaking havoc on your your progress and your basically your metabolic rate so like you're you're basically just putting a ball and chain around your foot and you're trying to run a race and you know you can run as fast as you can but until you unclasp that chain on your ankle it's it's not gonna matter a whole hell of a lot um, do you have any like go-to stress management techniques that you're telling people or is it more kind of relative to the individual well uh just you know from 
reading and having conversations over the year, I think biggest thing is meditation. Like, I think just five, ten minutes a day, mm-hmm. take it out of your day just to, you know, uh, unplug from everything and try to meditate. I mean, I know the first week, few weeks, you might not really, like, get in that meditational state, but over time, like, it will happen, and you will notice, like, a big difference in terms of, like, how you breathe, how you're actually, like, feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that is, like, a big start right there. Oh, yeah, big time. I think, I would agree. I think meditation and breathing kind of, I mean, they're kind of one and the same, but, like, those, for most people, it's doable for almost everyone. You don't need equipment. You don't need, like, special skills or knowledge. I mean, they have guided meditations that you can download on your phone, um, but I, th- I think that's uh, a big one as well. So I totally agree with you. Uh, we're going to move on just because we are running a little short on time. So I want to make sure we cover everything. Uh, but just to recap, everything that we just talked about. So the factors like muscle mass, um, age, how many calories you consume, stress, genetics, gender, body composition, activity level, those things account for basically 70% of your burned calories in a given day. So you want to make sure that these factors are optimized in the best way possible because it's a large chunk of what you're doing throughout the day and you're not even actively doing anything to basically have those things occur within the given day um but anyway moving on so now we're going to talk about the non-resting uh portion of your total daily energy expenditure um so obviously non-resting energy expenditure you have your workouts so your planned workouts for the day Um, but I think a lot of people, what they don't realize is that this only accounts for like 5% of your total daily calorie burn. Um, so have you ever had any conversations about like people's priorities and, you know, when they approach a weight loss program, um, you know, they're so gung ho on the workout, but they've ignored like everything else. Has that ever occurred or have you ever run into anything like that? Oh, a lot of times. Okay. So how, what, how do you, how are you handling that? What's your approach? Well, my easiest approach is a lot of times because say if I get a, most of the times I would get a client who, you know, they want to go gun hunting to work out. They don't really f- like focus on the other stuff. My approach is always. I'm going to let them do it for a week or two. Mm-hmm. And more likely, they're going to run themselves in the ground. And uh, I think for just from them experiencing that, and then I, then I would sit them down and be like, all right, how about we try a different approach? Right. Where it's not focused more on the, so more focused on just working out. It's more about all the other components. Because I think now when they actually do that and say, all right, they give me what I'm saying, a chance for a week, two weeks, then they can compare it. And be like, whoa, you know, I do see a difference in terms of what I was doing versus what he's saying I should do. Right. Then what I'm saying is more valuable. Yeah, definitely. And my approach usually when I run into problems like this where people are like convinced working out is the best thing for them is I I basically just break it down in terms of simple math. I'm like, listen, there are how many hours in a week? 162, something like that. Anyway, anyway, so I'm like, listen, there's 162 hours in a week. You see me twice a week for an hour. That's two hours out of 162. So now you have 160 hours left. I'm like, do you think what you're doing in those two hours is going to trump or outweigh what's happening in the 160 hours where I'm not with you? And they'll basically look at me and they know the answer, but um, like, no, absolutely not. Like, it's just, it's such a small 
percentage when it comes to your total daily calorie burn. I think just more people have to be aware of that going forward. So like, I love the phrase, like you can't out train like a bad diet or a bad lifestyle because it's physically impossible. You'll kill yourself. Like you're going to run yourself into the ground hmm. taking that approach. So hopefully if people are listening to this, it's creating a little bit of a mind shift uh, with how they see things and how they view weight loss or weight management. And yes, workouts are important. Lifting weights is very important. Being active is very important. But it's in terms of like the overall picture, it's a, it's a small slice of the pie, so to speak. Um, all right. So now moving on to the next one. So when it comes to actually eating food, so there's something that's known as the thermic effect of food, or basically how many calories are needed to digest, break down, and absorb certain macronutrients. So protein has the highest thermic effect with 20 to 30%, then comes carbs, 5 to 10%, and then comes fat uh, at 0 to 5%. And take those numbers with a grain of salt because there's not like a one specific exact number. But Basically, what it means is when you eat protein, 20 to 30% of those calories that you just ingested are basically going to be burned in the process of digesting, absorbing, processing that food. So I think everyone here knows higher protein diets are probably pretty important when it comes to weight management and or weight loss. And if you did not know that, well, congratulations. Now you are well aware of that fact. Um, so when it comes to telling clients, you know, about the importance of protein, um, how much they should be getting in a given day. What's your basic kind of elevator pitch when it comes to telling clients, you know, here's why you need to do it. Here's why it's important. Here's how much to eat. Here's where to get it. Well, I always say like, you know, there's, I know there's a lot of going around, oh, you should eat one, one gram protein per body pound or 0.8 grams or stuff mm -hmm. like that. Even though I think that's like a great uh, starting point, it's it's not as specific. So I always say go more off percentage off your like for me, I go more percentage off the body weight. Mm -hmm. So I know I need to for I think it's just understand like like I, I understand like my body like like give an example right. My body doesn't sit well with a lot of carbs like right. for a long period of time. So. Mm -hmm. I would be like, all right, I'm going to have 40, 45% of my diet just protein. Mm -hmm. Like, just my example. Uh, for someone who's probably newer, who is not eating that much protein, they probably shouldn't start up that high of protein. I think they probably should be like, they should start maybe closer to 25 mm -hmm. and then gradually increase their protein. I don't think you should be like, all right, I'm going from zero to 100. Right. I think it's more like, all right, I get a starting point and then. I feel good and slowly build up that macro protein to where maybe they could build up to 40%, mm -hmm. but they shouldn't just start at 40%. It should be like, I'm gradually building up to 40%. So now one of the, the problems that I run into a lot is clients will tell me, you know, obviously I gave them the whole spiel of protein's important. You need to probably be eating a little bit more protein. And I, I have taken for the most part, the approach of 0.8, one gram um, per your goal body weight, just cause I think it's a nice round number and it's easily understandable. Right. But what are you telling the people who will tell you it's just so hard to get that much protein in a given day? Well, uh, like I'll break it down for them. I'm like, I, I it's, it's easy to say it's like anything is hard, mm -hmm. but like give an example, like 
I'll ask them, like, give an example. Like, most people, I ask them, all right, what do you eat for breakfast? They'll all. Then say if they're like, all right, I eat oatmeal and I eat this and I eat that. And I'll be like, okay, cool. Then I'll give them an example of like, all right, uh, what else do you like to eat? So maybe they might like to eat eggs. Maybe they might like to eat bacon. Maybe they might like to eat. And I'll explain to them like, all right, look, this, I'll give them an example of like, all right, like an example, like say if they like bacon, I'll be like, all right, this is not that much of a calorie, but you can get X amount of protein from it. Mm-hmm. And say so you had two or three pieces, then so you had you had eggs. Now maybe you like your oatmeal, but maybe you lower the amount of oatmeal you have, and literally that's a good breakfast in terms of you can up your protein. Right. The biggest thing I realize is like it's not it's hard to get a food in. I think it's just people are just lazy in terms of making that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a big part of it. <laughs> and that's a lot of times I'll point out like maybe you just feel like it's a lot more work to just add a few extra ingredients in your breakfast or your bre- or your lunch or your dinner. And that's what it comes down to. Right. Now, are you generally recommending uh, protein supplements to people? I mean, uh, protein powder, it, I think it's more of a, it should be more of a emergency situation. Like, I, I can't get to eat what I normally want to eat. Right. I don't think it's for an everyday thing in terms of, I think you, the more you should probably eat more regular food. Right. Yeah, I I agree. What I'll tell people, so like I have and I do recommend protein supplements for a lot of people, especially if they're struggling to hit that right. recommended number that they need in a given day. But I'll remind them, I'm like, listen, it's a protein supplement. It's meant to supplement your diet, not become like a, a staple. So like drink it after your workout, drink it if like you're all, you know, you can't sit down for a good meal, but don't go home, you know, with an hour of free time and say, okay, I'm going to drink a protein shake for dinner. Like it, I, I don't think it should be your first choice. Kind of like what you said. I think more people need whole real food sources of protein. Um, because just in terms of how it's broken down within the body, the nutrients and the micronutrients that you're going to absorb from the whole food sources are always going to be better for you um, than basically these man-made supplements uh, for the most part. Um, But what else? Is there anything that we didn't touch on in terms of uh, protein intake or how to optimize it, anything like that? Because I think we pretty much touched on uh pretty much everything yeah i would say though i would say so yeah i would say so too um all right so there you have it so if you didn't listen to part one of this podcast um definitely go back and listen to it because you know basically it breaks down these terms and what they mean more in depth and then obviously we just did part two um so um just to recap for everything you know, if you're looking to optimize how many calories you burn within a given day, more muscle mass on your your frame, uh, be more active outside of your workouts, strength train, prioritize protein within your diet, make sure you're getting an adequate amount, um, and then realize that your workouts are not the main source of your daily calorie burn. That's a pitfall that a lot of people are going to fall into, especially the... Uh, rookies when it comes to exercise. Um, O'Shane, anything to add before we uh, call it a day? Uh, I'll just say to everyone out there, eat your protein, uh, get some sleep, drink water, and work out. There you go. And you hit your goal. Exactly. Very simple. Now it's just a matter of 
doing it. So um, until next time, thanks everyone for listening, and then uh, we'll see you on the next episode.